Hello and welcome to the Greenfield Baptist Sermons Podcast. Each week we will be uploading the Focus Scripture and Sermon from Greenfield Baptist Church in Northeast Pennsylvania. Thank you for joining us and enjoy. Almighty God, thank you for a chance to be in your house, to open our hearts and our minds to your presence, that we might experience you as we lift our praise unto you, as we offer our prayers unto you, as we listen for your voice in your word and and in our worship. Lord Jesus, uh, give us a clear mind. Help us to set aside the things of the world and focus upon you. And we thank you for being here with us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Our scripture lesson this morning comes from the Gospel of Matthew. We'll be looking at chapter 26, verses 50 to 56. We're back in the garden uh, where Jesus has prayed and um, has challenged his disciples over and over again. And you may remember a couple weeks ago, uh, before we went to the garden, they had the uh, meal, and during the meal, Jesus informed them that one would betray him. And Judas certainly went out and uh, got a hold of the chief priests. Um, they, along with Judas, headed out this very night to, to the garden. Uh, Judas knew that's where they'd be. And Judas had told them, the one whom I kiss, he's the one um, that you're to arrest. And so they, they went out, a large crowd of them, uh, and as they came up to, to where the disciples were, uh, Judas went over and, and gave Jesus a kiss. And in verse 50 we read, Jesus replied, friend, do what you came for. Then the men stepped forward, seized Jesus, and arrested him. With that, one of Jesus' companions reached for his sword, drew it, and struck the, high, the servant of the high priest, cutting off his ear. Put your sword back in his place, Jesus said to him. For all who draw the sword will die by the sword. Do you think you cannot, that I cannot call on my father, and he will at once put at my disposal twelve legions of angels? But how then would the scriptures be fulfilled that say it must happen in this way? At that time, Jesus said to the crowd, Am I leading a rebellion that you have come out with swords and clubs to capture me? Every day I sat in the temple courts teaching, and you did not arrest me. But this has all taken place, that the writings of the prophets might be fulfilled. Then all the disciples deserted him and fled. May God add God's blessing to the reading and hearing of this God's most holy word. We have been walking through Lent and talking about the crossroads that we find ourselves meeting as we walk through life. And, and how do you respond in the midst of those crossroads? And of course, uh, you know, frequently those crossroads just come and you have to make that immediate decision. And, and sometimes if we're not prepared, when we get to that crossroad, we take the wrong road and, and we find ourselves uh, getting further and further away from the love and the grace and the truth of God. And so it's very important as we walk with Christ towards the cross that we pay attention to how he responds to those moments, those moments when a decision needs to be made and how he makes those decisions. You see, the struggle often begins when, 
when our culture and, and our upbringing and, and our past and all those things that have influenced us are drawing us away from the way Christ would have us respond. We're, we're tempted to take the wrong road because that's the road we see everybody else taking. Or that's the road that just seems like, hey, when I was a kid, that's what they taught us. Or, or maybe you're looking at our society and saying, well, that's how everybody else responds. And I want you to be very clear that as Christ walks towards the cross, he, he walks totally opposed to the way the culture would have him respond over and over and over again. And it's amazing that Christ, in his love and compassion, as he's confronting these decisions, immediately sees the difference that God makes in our world. And he reveals that in some powerful ways. This morning is no different. You see, uh, this morning, uh, we confront a, an issue in our culture that just seems to be pervasive these days. We live in a culture of violence. Uh, we live in a world that's all about uh, a violent response. Uh, all you have to do is drive down the road. And, and whether you're going too fast or too slow or you turned wrong or, or whatever it is, uh, there's someone there that's driving. Right <laughs> Yesterday I was on the Bayfront. Uh, I have this horrible habit nowadays of driving the speed limit. And, and I don't know about, uh, you, you know how the Bayfront, when you, when you cross, uh, well, when you're in town there, all the way out to uh, just beyond, um, what's the road that goes to Walmart there? What's that? No. Broad Street, yeah. So uh, you got to get beyond Broad Street before the speed limit changes to 45. You may not be aware of that uh, because nobody, no, except me. So I'm driving 35. Everybody's whizzing by me. And this one guy gets stuck behind me because everybody's whizzing. He comes right up behind me and he flashes his lights. By the way, if that was you. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, yeah. He's flashing his lights. And I'm thinking, is there something wrong with the car? Um, um, yeah, I'm not thinking that. <laughs> Folly. Uh, uh, <laughs> well, no, not that I could see or not that I could understand. Uh, and, uh, and I'm thinking, oh, this, this guy is pretty upset. Uh, and, and, and I've been in the opposite side, too, where I'm in a hurry and, and I've tried to, this is uh, self-confession time, I, I, I've tried to begin to um, think of maybe the best scenario, right? So maybe, maybe he was headed toward an emergency. Maybe, maybe uh, his child is sick, you know? So, I, oh, okay, so go. I, you know, I don't, I don't want to slow you down. I, I just want to go the speed limit. But I've been on the other end where I've been in a hurry and usually for something foolish. And so I got to get by and, and here's this person going below the speed limit or whatever it is. And I get upset and I can just feel it begin to well up inside. You know what I'm talking about? It just kind of builds. Yeah, you're supposed to suppress that? Yeah, that doesn't always work so well. Because I grew up in a society that says you want to get there, you want to get there as fast as you can because the first one somehow is going to win or it's better if you get there early. Or if you left late, um, it's not your fault, it's their fault for driving too slow in front of you, right? We live in a world that's full of anger. Think of the political uh, attacks that continue. Holy cow. Um, I, I stopped watching the news for a while. Just couldn't take it anymore. Um, 
uh, it's not one side or the other, it's both and. Everybody's angry. Everybody's ready to attack. Everybody's ready to... Violence just seems to be the answer. Somehow, if we, if we can hit someone with the right words, we'll, we'll show them. And that's just as violent, by the way, as hitting somebody else. Social media drives me nuts. Um, I... <laughs> I've gotten to a point where some of the anger that's just thrown out on social media just uh, almost turns my stomach. And some of it from people who who say they're followers of Jesus Christ. And that worries me greatly. Because you see, what I see is the world, the culture that we live in creeping in to the hearts and the lives of those who are trying desperately to follow Jesus. And so in this morning's passage, we see uh, the, the desire to jump in to, to a violent response, and Jesus has a very different response, very different response, a response that I'm not sure I would have come up with. But he wants to show us the power of compassion. He wants us to see that compassion does change things. Compassion changes us if nobody else. Here is Jesus being arrested. And here is Peter. Now, I like Peter. Uh, Peter is pretty bold and he responds pretty quickly. And Peter frequently responds out of what's just going on inside of him. And so Peter sees this huge group of soldiers. Uh, the, the, the scriptures, John calls it a band of soldiers. Uh, in, in years past, it was translated a cohort. Probably not a cohort. That'd be 480 soldiers. I'm not sure that was that many. But, but all, of the, all of the gospels tell us that there was a large crowd, a great multitude that came to arrest one man, Jesus, with his disciples there. Who? How many? Maybe 13, maybe 10, maybe 12. Maybe 11. We don't know exactly how many were there with him at that. But clearly not a huge crowd. Especially this late in the day. You may remember that that Jesus sat with his disciples and and they ate the meal, the Passover meal, and they shared and they shared and they shared. Then they went out to pray. And half of them fell asleep. Well, they all fell asleep while Jesus was praying. Jesus came back and and woke uh, those that were closest to him up. said, can't you pray with me? He went back and he prayed. They fell asleep again. And, you know, it's like, Jesus got to go wake him up again. So by the time the soldiers show up, my guess is not many disciples were hanging around. And Peter, Peter, the, I, I want to say, you know, Peter was doing something awesome. I mean, talk about the faith, right? Here's this little group of disciples and this huge group of soldiers and chief priests. And, and Peter's ready to go at it. Let's take him on, Jesus. You and me, we can do it all. That shows some faith, doesn't it? I, I mean, we're pretty hard on Peter, but he whips out. Did you know that, that sword he whips out? It's not one of these big swords. It would have been his little personal sword. We're talking a little thing. And he gets close enough to Malchus to whack off his ear. And Peter's like, we're going to go. Bring it on. Bring it on. And I don't know if Peter had great faith or if Peter just felt like he was backed into a corner and was trying to figure out how he was going to win this fight, and with Jesus on his side, somehow we were going to make this work. 
Maybe he was trying to show the others. See, I told Jesus I wouldn't back down. Here I am, let's do it. But something inside Peter has caused him to whip out his sword. He's ready to fight a fight. He's ready to fight a battle. He's ready to take somebody out. And Jesus says, wait a minute. Peter, that's not what I'm all about. What do you mean, Jesus? I mean, here's our chance, right? Let's take him on, Jesus. You can do it. Jesus is like, no, 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 that's... Peter, that's, why does he say, Peter, put your sword away? Why doesn't he say, let's go at it? Because Jesus' power does not come from a sword or from a violent heart. Jesus' power comes from a heart filled with compassion. Jesus is looking at the situation, and he sees well beyond that immediate moment. One of the reasons violence always comes to our heart is because we get backed in a corner, we get caught in the moment, and we respond immediately out of the ugliness of our hearts rather than stepping back and seeing beyond the moment. And saying there's something more going on here. You see, Jesus understood that God had a plan. And if God had a plan, God was going to work that all out. And one of the neat things is, Jesus says to Peter, Peter, you know who I, don't you know that I could call, uh, 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 the song says 10,000 angels. Uh, That's not what our scripture says. Our scripture says 12 legions of angels. And they would come, 12 legions of angels. But Jesus is not about destroying. He's about saving, building up. He's not about violence. He's about compassion. And if we want to follow him, shouldn't we be? About compassion. You see, Jesus understood that this wasn't the only moment. As a matter of fact, Jesus understood that it was going to be very important for him to go the next moment and to be hung on that cross. And he was going to look down at all those people, some of those probably who were there, who were there to arrest him, are now there to watch him be crucified. Some of them loved him, his, his, his mother and, and the other ladies who had followed him. John was there, one of his disciples. And he looked down at them. And he, at that moment, could have called those angels. He could have changed the whole thing. No, I'm done with this. He could have stepped down off the cross. But no, Jesus' heart is in a different place, you see. It's not about violence. Jesus is there. And what's he say? He says, Father, forgive them. Wow. You see, Jesus responds differently. And he calls us to respond differently. How do you respond when you're attacked? When you feel like you're caught in a corner? When you're feeling overwhelmed? Are you quick to respond with that sharp word? Are you quick to to cut off the guy or woman to make sure they understood what they did to you? Or would you be willing to have the heart of Christ? And step back, and when someone attacks you, rather than attacking back, would you be willing to forgive them? That's what Jesus did. Jesus saw beyond the attack. He saw an opportunity to share compassion, to touch people with with his presence. That's totally opposite what we've been taught, isn't it? I remember when I was a kid, 
My dad said, my dad was a little guy, but he was a tough guy. Didn't mess with my dad. Little guy. My dad said, listen, Dave, when I started going to school, right? Somebody wants to pick a fight with you? He says, I'll be behind you all the way. He says, but this is what I want you to do. Guy might be bigger. I was a skinny kid, weighed, you know, 93 pounds, soaking wet. He said, this is what you do, Dave. You make sure that if they want to fight you, you get the first lick in. They might beat you to a bloody pulp, but you'll get them. And so, that was my dad's. <laughs> that was what my dad said. And, and he said, he said I, I won many a fight that way, he said, because he said, I was a little guy. He says, but I made sure I get the, get the, got the first shot in. And I thought, yeah. As I began to look at Jesus again, I thought, yeah, isn't that the way we respond? When we feel cornered. When we feel attacked. That's not how Jesus responds. Jesus steps back and he sees beyond the attack and realizes there's more at stake here. That God is doing something even in the midst of the attack. I was talking to my Old Testament class yesterday. Um, talking about Jeremiah. You know the prophet Jeremiah. This is, this is extra. <laughs> I won't charge you for this. Um, the prophet Jeremiah, um, he, he had a rough life. Um, he was faithful to God, loved God, um, did what God called him to do. He complained some, but, but he had every right to complain. Boy, the poor guy, he was put in the stocks. Um, it, nobody liked him. I, well, he had a few friends, but nobody of, of importance liked him. The kings didn't like him because he told them they were making the wrong decisions. And, and the priests didn't like him because he told them, you know, you're doing all this ritual stuff, but you don't have a relationship with God. And the prophets didn't like him because he said, you know, you prophets are just telling people what they want to hear. And so the kings put him in prison, would have killed him, but he had a friend that stepped in at the last minute. The, the priests put him in stocks for a while. Because he didn't like what he was saying. And the town officials and the prophets, they, they put him in a cistern, uh, uh, kind of a well type thing. It was empty. Uh, there was no water in it, but it was muddy, deep mud. And they left him there to die. Now there's a life. And yet I hear all the time that people who are following Jesus, God's going to bless them with all kinds of great things. I've discovered that following Jesus frequently means that you have to suffer but it's not suffering for no reason. It's suffering for the purpose that people would see the love and the grace of God. So rather than responding by attacking, if we responded with grace, if we responded with forgiveness, wouldn't that change our world? It would. Jesus changed the 12. <coughs> and the 12 changed those that they met. Father, forgive them. Forgiveness makes all the difference in the world. You want the power of compassion, see beyond the attack. And then uh, the other thing that compassion does is it breaks the cycle of violence. Uh, you know, violence tends to breed violence, right? You hit me, I hit you. You hit me, I hit you. Where's that end? Jesus said, if you live by the sword, you die by the sword. You see, if, if you're going to play the game of violence, this is what's going to happen. It's going to go back and forth, back and forth until somebody gets hurt or maybe even dies. And it doesn't end. It doesn't end unless somebody decides not to respond with violence. I love this. 
The king's going out with a sword. I'm going out to end the cycle of violence. Yeah. Doesn't work that way. I may have talked about George Quackenbush before. He's one of my favorite hockey players. Uh, he's in the NHL Hall of Fame. George Quackenbush. You can look him up. Um, he, he's in the Hall of Fame for one reason, one reason only. He went two complete seasons without a penalty minute. Two complete seasons without a penalty minute. Now, that is just uh, almost unheard of. And I heard an interview with him, and the, the interviewer asked him, how did you do that? He said, well, it's simple. He says, I figured it out. He said, we'd play a team, and someone would hit my teammate, and then someone else from my team would hit him. And he says, and it would go on and on and on, and you'd sit in the penalty box all the time because you were all busy trying to hit one another. So I just stopped. I stopped hurting, trying to hit somebody to make up for something else. I simply played the game. Amazing. You see, somewhere it's got to stop. Jesus stopped the violence in this situation. He, he stops it by saying, stop this. He says, I, I'm, that's not what I'm about. I'm not leading a rebellion here. And he reaches out and he does something incredible. He reaches out, and it wasn't in this gospel, but in the other gospels we read, he touches Malchus's ear and he heals it. Now that to me is wild. Here is Malchus coming to attack him. Here is Malchus coming to take him off to prison. Here is Malchus, a part of the mob that's going to arrest him. And Jesus, rather than striking him or trying to hurt him, steps in and heals him. That's what compassion does, you see. And that's powerful. It changes things. When you treat someone with love and compassion, you begin to change them, if not you. You see, you don't have to respond like Peter did. You can respond with love. Uh, there's that passage in Romans um, that I just, I just love, uh, and I hear people quote it all the time, because you see, uh, they're, they're saying, yeah, we're supposed to treat others with kindness when they treat us badly, right? And so they say this, the best part about that, the best part about treating someone nicely who treats you badly, you ready for this? The best part is you heap burning coals on their head. You ever hear that? Yeah, that, that comes from Romans. Romans 12, uh, the, the writer of Romans says, On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. And, and I hear good Christians say, Yeah. You see, somehow I got to get back at him. <laughs> so if I can't get back at him by a mean word, then I'll be really nice. And that'll, that'll take care of it. Now, you tell me, okay? Someone comes to you and they're being really nice. How's that feel? You see, it's nothing more than an attack. You may remember when Jesus was with his disciples, they were going to go into a Samaritan village. It's in Luke chapter 9 if you want to read it. And what's interesting to me is as they were going into the village, the village refused them, rejected them, told them they can't. And the disciples said this. This is what I like about the disciples. You see, they are so caught up in their culture. They said this. Do you want us to call down fire from heaven and destroy them? And the scripture says Jesus, Jesus rebuked them. That's not what I'm about. That's not what Jesus is about. As a matter of fact, Jesus earlier in Luke had explained to his disciples how you treat those who attack you. You ready for this? Because the church is not always real good at this. This is what he said. 
love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you. If someone slaps you on the cheek, turn to them the other also. If someone takes your coat, don't withhold your shirt from them. Give to everyone who asks you. And if anyone takes what belongs to you, do not demand it back. What? Does this sound like what you were taught? Jesus says, do to others. By the way, this is what I've always been taught. Do to others as you would have them do to you. But I never heard the verses before that. I always said, well, just treat me fairly. But Jesus goes a step further. When someone is angry at you, love them, bless them, pray for them. Make yourself vulnerable to them. And if they take something, don't demand it back. Jesus did this, didn't he? They took him and they beat him. And they mocked him. They put a robe on him and a crown of thorns on his head. They hit him and put a blindfold on him and hit him and said, tell us, prophesy, who hit you? Who hit you? If you're who you say you are. He could have wiped them all out just with a word. It had been over. But he took it. And he took it because he wanted them to know that there's a better way. Violence does not have to continue in your life or in our world's life. But it's going to take us to be more like Christ to change that. We've got to be willing to love them. That's what compassion is all about. Jesus looks at Malchus, sees the brokenness, and he reaches out and heals it. He doesn't condemn him. He doesn't hit him. He doesn't respond. He offers to him grace and mercy. How do you respond when you are attacked? We can break the cycle. And then finally, it's compassion that fulfills what God has said. Do you realize that the probability that someone could fulfill 48 out of the 300 prophecies in Scripture is that many? I I can't count that high. Somebody afterwards, one of you mathematicians probably helped me out. Those are all commas. You see, it wasn't an accident that Jesus died. I want you to hear this. This is very important. It was not an accident that Jesus died. Jesus willingly walked to that cross to fulfill God's plan, to fulfill what God had in mind, to fulfill the Word of God. He walked to the cross and He hung there So that the will of God would be fulfilled, not just in his life, but in our lives. So that compassion could be revealed in its deepest sense. You see, Jesus showed his greatest act of compassion when he was willing to die on the cross for you and for me. 
He knew that we'd be caught up in this world of violence, that we would be walking around lost trying to hurt one another. He knew that in the midst of this world, we would be hurting not just God, but each other. And he wanted it to stop because he had a better way, a better plan for us. And he knew that the way our hearts were configured, we would continue to walk down that road unless we had our hearts changed. And he knew the only way to change our hearts was to show us the greatest expression of love and give himself and die for us so that if we would put our trust in him, he would begin to change us deep within so that when we have to make those decisions, we would decide to respond with love, with grace, and with compassion. 1 John 3.16 tells us that the way we know what love really is is that Jesus laid down his life for us and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and our sisters. You see, this is what compassion really is about. Not trying to destroy them, but trying to love them. Not allowing the images of anger and violence to destroy us. But rather by asking him to come in and forgive us. And change us to people who are filled with compassion. Jesus wants to forgive you desperately. And you're so angry. Won't you open your heart to him? You might be angry because of something that's happened a long time ago. Jesus is willing to heal that spot in your heart if you'd be willing to let him come in. You may be angry because of something someone's done to you recently and you don't know how to respond and you're just angry. Jesus wants to come in and heal that brokenness. You see, this morning, Jesus wants us to see that he's done something incredible for us. He's made it so that we can live in love with everybody. Wouldn't that be a different world? Compassion fulfills God's word for us, for Jesus, for our world, if we would be willing to live out his call upon our lives. If we would be willing to put down our sword and truly love. If we would be willing to respond with kindness and grace instead of with anger and violence, if we would be willing, you see, to accept the compassion Christ has for us and share it with others. Let's bow forward a prayer. Lord Jesus, there are those here today who who have been trying to get by by being the toughest or having the most power inside themselves. And they're angry, Lord, and broken. Deep inside, they're afraid. And you've come this morning to offer us the healing from that. Lord Jesus, it begins by us accepting that gift you offer to us, the forgiveness and the love that you offered to us from the cross. As you took that anger, as you took that violence, as you took it upon yourself so that we would not have to carry it around. 
So this morning, Lord Jesus, we pray that you'd set us free. We pray, Father, that you would give us the courage and the strength to change the cycle, to step out of all the anger and share your grace and your love instead. We ask, Lord Jesus, this morning that that we would not be like the world we live in, but that we would be like you, that we would put down our swords, that we would see that you're doing something incredible as you offer this grace. You're changing us and you're changing our world and And Lord, help us to be a part of that. Thank you that you promised to come to our lives and change us. We offer you our lives today. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.